seagulls are here. Hello, and welcome to episode four of our 2024 season. Um, Foggy with a chance of seagulls, of course. My name is Clark. I'm joined by my pal, Evan. Um, spring has sprung, Evan. We're, uh, we're in spring training days. We've got some content coming out. Um, yeah, how you doing? I'm good. I, I think um, I might be able to get an NRI uh, little invite to camp. Uh, Pablo Sandoval's back, so I might as well. I mean, like, you know, if he can do it, anybody can. I've heard all you have to do is text Farhan pictures of you working out and he'll he'll be convinced. So it's it's pretty simple. <laughs> you know, I've had a toe injury the past couple of weeks, so I may have to go on the IL to start the season, but I know that I will round into form. It's me and Aaron Judge. I don't know if you saw that he has that toe injury. Still. uh, He's going to have maintenance throughout his whole career, so he says, and hopefully it's not the same for me. Um, I was just going to say, this is not foggy with a chance of Bronx Bombas, but uh, (laughs) that was one of my worst. Um, But uh, Aaron Judge... Aaron Judge's toe injury is one of the weirder things. Not that I want to spend too much time, but like, why is this still an issue for him? Because it felt like he was out most of last year with it. You know, toes are tricky. Toes are tricky. That's what I've been learning um, these past few weeks. Um, Somebody stepped on my foot in soccer and... You know, it may be some type of little fracture or something like that. I don't know. But in any case, your big toe, you rely on it for a lot of stuff in life. I'm finding out getting places, kind of uh, exercising. So it's a tough one. But I have a question for you unrelated to Aaron Judge, which is I actually (laughs) this is kind of inspired by I was recently updating all my, um, you know, top six or whatever in my texts, all the profile pictures. And I replaced a wonderful picture of you with a picture of Tyler Chatwood in a Giants uniform. (laughs) So with that, I wanted to ask you, (laughs) I've always thought that they looked alike. I'll put it up on the screen. You can see the vision. Um, But if you were in the majors right now, what position would you like to play? What type of player would you like to be? Okay, so I, I love telling everyone about your Tyler Chatwood Clark Weininger doppelganger nonsense because it's giving me a lot of joy, especially when he was briefly a giant in 2021 for like all of four innings. And it was a great running gag for us. Four big um, innings, four big innings, Clark. They were important. Huge, huge, huge innings. Um, but now on the team, we've got Brett Wisely, who I also feel like is kind of a Clark doppelganger, um, which goes into realistically based on my size and stature i give off very big second baseman energy but i always wanted to be Mm. a first baseman a la will clark jt snow brandon belt giants of low-key had some pretty awesome first baseman so it would be first base but more realistically second how about you my friend you know looking at the giants organization i feel like my best way in is as a backup um, bullpen catcher, um, because you know there's there's a path already established there. Um, you know what got me thinking about this too is I was seeing some media day pictures of Yoshi Tsutsugo, mm-hmm. and that guy is just a guy. <laughs> Doesn't look like a baseball player at all. Just looks like a guy that somehow got in there. And I feel like I'd love to do what he does. I think that I would have a really high launch angle and very little success. I think that you would see me hitting batting practice homers, but in game power, it all went out the window. <laughs> lots of strikeouts, lots of swing and miss. Um, but I think I envision myself as being kind of in like Pablo, a way better defender than anybody <laughs> thinks that he should be or has the has the right to be. Gives like, off bad I, defender I vibes, <laughs> but can field his position. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I'm really going to work on my positioning, and I think that that is going to put me in a position for success. Um, but <laughs> I That's we fantastic. just mentioned here, Pablo Yoshi Tsutsugo. Between our last, uh, you know, recording right after we recorded it, 
We signed Pablo Sandoval. We have to talk about it. The Kung Fu Panda we is back. We have to talk about it. What are your thoughts? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, I thought it was a joke at first. I'll be quite honest. And not in like a, <laughs> like, kind of in a Sergio Romo from last year way. Not as like the whole thing mm-hmm. is a joke, but more just like the idea of him yeah. trying out is like kind of just a vibe play. But then I saw Pablo and we'll get to this a little bit later because there are some other candidates for best shape of their life, which we will continue to monitor mm-hmm. throughout the spring. But um, he looks svelte, I would even say. I would throw out a svelte to describe not even a panda anymore. He's like a what's a what's a skinnier bear type animal. Moving on. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Can I say about Svelte really quickly? Just Please. a detour. The first time I heard that word was at your house when we were talking to our former choir teacher, Mr. Bohm. And mm. I came in and he said, you're looking Shout very out. Svelte. And I went, did this man just insult me? And I had to Google the <laughs> definition later. Oh, and no, he's coming was, on to me. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe a red panda after uh, his like time it. abroad. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, also shout out to, uh, Christian Bohm. Love a good shout out. Um, always, but yeah, Pablo is legitimately trying out for the team. Um, he has already said he would be, I think, willing to go to Sacramento if things fell that way. There's not really a clear spot for him. Frankly, why would there be? (laughs) Um, but, uh, I think this is a tryout for all of baseball more than just for the Giants. He wants to show to MLB that he can still play. And the Giants are the team that will most likely bring him in. I can't imagine the Red Sox are answering his calls. (laughs) I'll just put it that way. Boach doesn't have enough sway on a World Series team. Like there just aren't that many options for young Panda. So it's true. (laughs) It's true. I don't know. If the Bostonians would uh, welcome him back with open arms, um, Rafael Devers recently talking to the media said, "We need to do more." I think if they sign Pablo, the <laughs> oh, Fenway would be on fire. By that next wasn't week. <laughs> that wasn't what Rafi was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, actually, interestingly, that that's the exact thought that I had is that I think he was looking for a path to get to spring training and then with you know he's not going to make the team he's not going to go to sacramento is my feeling on it most likely i think i think if there's no other options around the league then Mm. he will go to sacramento because that's his best option at getting back in the majors but look he looks good he hit that six run home run in dubai or whatever (laughs) um and no giant has ever hit a six run home run before so (laughs) hey not even barry bonds okay so um (laughs) but I actually, you know, people hate fun. I think that that's what I'm learning this offseason. And Pablo is fun no matter how you slice it. And look, he actually did text Bochi. I saw a tweet that mm-hmm. he had sent the videos to Bochi as well. And so that was kind of what confirmed the thought that you had, that he's just like trying to get a spot in the majors anyway, mm-hmm. and anywhere. And um, look, he was back with the organization for longer than we thought. Yeah. You know, that second stint, you know, like he had that. I feel like I haven't seen this mentioned in a lot of articles about him, but, you know, he had a kind of positive and negative exit from the team, hitting that home run to clinch us that win, I think, during the shortened season that cost us, you know, some draft picks or whatever. Um, Was it sooner? Because it was the Joey Bart pick, basically, because it was we were vying for the number one with the Tigers, and he hit a walk-off homer on the last day of the season which would have been 2017, 2018. I was... Oh, really? Wow. Not, okay. Yeah. yeah. But he hit the walk-off homer. We got the second pick. And honestly, between Casey Mize and Joey Bart, they're both kind of a wash in that sense. Yeah, it's good kind of that a wash. it wasn't like Adley Rushman and Joey Bart. And then we're like... Pablo, <laughs> you know, it like <laughs> it doesn't make it as bad. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm, no, I'm totally. pretty sure we might have to fact check that. I'm kind of going based on yeah. memory there. But I think it was you know the what? Joey Bart I pick. won't I won't fact check it because anything we say on this podcast is empirically true. And if you're listening, <laughs> right. that's just that, them's the rules. Been and established. I do want to come back to Bart in a second. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say about Pablo, like I think it's actually 
there's way more positives than negatives to me when you look at it. It's like we need this is a season where we're really leaning on our youth to carry us. And so who do you need to factor into that equation? You need some veteran leadership in the clubhouse, which we don't have that much of. Austin Slater is our senior member <laughs> right now. Yeah. And, um, he and you know, Webb. it's kind of Slater's 30 something, but Webb's still a young guy. Lee's one of our like marquee free agents, but he's new. And I think that the energy that Pablo brings to the clubhouse and just showing the young guys, you know, I think having Soler, Sandoval in there, it's just, it's a different vibe. It's like, you know, this whole reshaping of the organization from the coaching staff down i think it kind of is to honor you know those three rings that we got and what got us there which includes pablo which includes you know just like buster um buster which and he's he's gonna be there and we're gonna have hunter come around i've heard that barry from pavlovich might be coming around to camp Mm -hmm. but like you know these type of people and the gravitas of that the gravitas of melvin coming in there and like kind of again like taking taking Mm -hmm. people matt williams taking everybody back to kindergarten in a way and like growing up together i I think that there's something really um to be said for that and and i'm excited to see this kind of culture shift that we've got like um uh you know pavlovich was talking on giants talk about how melvin is on time to everything if not early and last year, you would wait however many minutes for Kapler to, you know, come to the post-game conference. And, like, honestly, I don't really care about that. Obviously, media members are going to care more than anybody else. But I kind of feel like that professionalism, I think that that's what we've been missing. And I think that our marquee guys for a decade, consummate professionals, just showing up to the yard, doing their best, doing the preparation, doing the work. And I think that that, if we're going to find success with these young guys, I think it has to be um, through that lens. So I guess I'd throw it to you, like, who who of the young guys right now in camp are you excited by? Yeah. Before I answer your question, I loved yes. what you were saying. And I think honoring the, the old Giants is the point of being a Giants fan. I mean, this is mm. a franchise with so much history. And I think that was a low-key reason for our success in 2021. It was... Mm the Posey belt Crawford led team. And it was their like last hurrah, you know, and we've been trying to get back to this. And I think that's a big part of the Melvin uh, hiring and all of this. So I just wanted to echo the point that you were making there. Young guys. I'm excited for. I love Luis Matos. I'm just planting my flag. Thick Luis Matos. That is, um, we might be able to pull it up, but he, there was a thing on Twitter. I was seeing this week of a side-by-side of him from last year and him from this year. I was showing my girlfriend, Amanda, um, and she goes, steroids? And I was like, (laughs) I got actually so offended. And she was like, I don't mean that in like a accusing him way, but like he's, he definitely took something to help him, whether it's like legal or not or whatever it is. (laughs) But like she, she was saying, and I think accurately so, like his, his uh, body looks very different than it did last year. Yeah, so Matos and Patty Barrels, who is also a thick boy, both of them said that last year, and this is really interesting, I think, because they came in the middle of the season mm-hmm. and like in the summer, neither of them could keep the weight they put on before the year. Basically, that like Matos, for example, his debut happened in St. Louis, where it's like 95 with 100% humidity. You sweat out your entire body weight standing in center field or left field or wherever. And so setting yourself up to like start from a place that's higher and expect to lose a little weight throughout the season, Mm -hmm. but then be able to like maintain it or know how to, you know, keep that weight on, I think will help both of those guys, um, and maybe other guys on the team who we're not talking about sustain better than they did last year where we really fell off a cliff at the in the second half. So those two guys I'm very excited about. Um, anyone else that I didn't mention who you're thinking about? Besides Yoshi Sutsugo, um, I think... Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I love your picks. Um, I think uh, Matos looks good. I love the hair. The whole look, it's mm-hmm. it's giving professional baseball player, and I really like it's to giving, see it. It's giving Ronald Acuna vibes a little bit. Not, I don't want to put him on that pedestal. I don't, but I saw him <laughs> look a little thicker, and I was like, is he low-key going to be our first 
which is false. I mean, Matos has hit like four home runs in his entire career, but maybe, maybe. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, obviously the optimism goggles are on, but I feel like it's, if the season ends with him as a regular left fielder, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Let's just say that much with all love to Michael Conforto. Um, but there's a picture of Matos with Lee and just the idea of Matos and Lee in the outfield is really something that I look forward to. Um, uh, Ramos too. Like I just, I feel like in its interest, you know, to what you're saying about putting on weight um, because you're going to lose it at, during the season. It's like, it's almost what they're saying too. is like, it's almost impossible to be putting it on as the season progresses because you're out there in the sun during the summer, just standing there, just losing weight constantly. So coming in really jacked, honestly, you know, Gabe Kapler style is important for (laughs) ballplayers because you're going to lose that muscle and that fat at the same time. So I love seeing, um, Patty. I saw you had in our notes, Patty wine barrels. I love seeing that. (laughs) He looks, he looks a little, um, you know, stocky, which is good. That's what you want a catcher to look like. And, I'm, you know, what's interesting about him is that he is, we know how good he can be, but he hasn't like fully shown it yet over a full season. And so I think that this is a real, like, we kind of take him like he's just going to be great coming in. But I think that there's a wide variance of what his year looks like this year. And I think if there's off, you know, we talked about it last week, but if there's offense from his spot, that really changes the look of the lineup to me in a big way. And he was, he was such a clutch hitter last year too. I I really think there was so much Mm. to love about his season, even though you can kind of look at it and be like, there's a lot of room for improvement, but I think he's a stud. And I don't know if you wanted to transition to this, but we referenced it just a second ago, but I mean, his, his emergence means something for Joey Bart. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Mm. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, best shape of his life. I think Joey looks great. He looks like he a does. ball player, too. And I think that as has been, you know, the tea leaves have been cast uh, many months, years ago with him and in this organization. And I think, you know, with signing Tom Murphy, it's just they've, you know, kind of very implicitly, explicitly said that, like, that he doesn't really have a place. I mean, you know, you can carry three catchers. I mean, you never know. He's still on the team as of now. I didn't think he'd be on the team as of now. I didn't necessarily think Davis would be the starting third baseman. I didn't think there wouldn't be, like, you know, anybody that we don't bring in for shortstop. The team looks different now than I thought it would, and so, you know, who knows, but I think that he's... um destined for greener pastures and he just feels like a change of scenery candidate i think it's felt that way um for a while but if we can get anything for him that would be great i think he's a great example of what reality versus expectations uh with baseball players and um look like you and i were all aboard the keaton win uh train and it was recently his birthday and uh, an unfortunate gift is that he has some elbow soreness that he's dealing with. Um, it doesn't seem like there has to be a major surgery as of now, but you never want to hear that. I think he was dealing with that last year too. And so going into the season with winning back four or five, you feel good about it, but then you take, you take win away, you know, baseball starts doing baseball things. And then you kind of start thinking about the depth in a different way, you know? And it's like, yeah. there's options that we have um, and we can maybe go through some of those guys, but I think it already throws a little bit of water on the on the on the optimism with uh, the rotation for me just a bit. Um, how what are your feelings on it? You're totally right. I mean, baseball is always about recovering from injuries and making up for injuries. And I think with our pitching staff, the the knock on it is that like with Cobb and Ray already shelved, you're relying on Win and Beck and Harrison and Hicks, all these unproven guys to just be healthy, let alone effective. And so you're making two gambles. And I think where the Giants feel a lot more safe is that they feel very confident, is my assumption here, in Mason Black, Mm -hmm. in Carson Wisenhunt, in Hayden Birdsong, um, and some of these guys coming up from the minors, I think even Reggie Crawford, Um, And we'll get into a little bit more. We talked last time about his shift now exclusively a pitcher, but like he's got, he's got some unreal talent 
And I think they're excited to just see that talent play. Um, and I think we're past, I was, I can't remember what this was from, but I was listening to some either podcast or show something baseball-y and they were talking about how gone are the days where pitchers have to kind of pitch a certain number of minor league innings that we have gotten mm. so advanced with pitch recognition, pitch shape rec- recognition and understanding kind of like the quality of shape, movement, all this stuff that if you see this in a pitcher in the minors, that there are certain signs and teams have such advanced analytics at this point that they can project what a guy might look like in the big leagues. And so instead of kind of using up all of their bullets, so to speak, in the minors, I think this is why the Giants are moving forward with this strategy is internally they are so high on all of these young pitchers that they have. So even like, I don't know, I mean, we we saw it in the offseason, like a Stripling, a DiSclefani aren't better than our internal options. And I think probably aren't better than Mason Black, Carson Wisenhunt, Birdsong, and these guys who probably won't start mm-hmm. the year in the big leagues. But if Keaton Wynn continues to be hurt and he has to be on the IL, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Mason Black start the year. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. So I think, I think even though these aren't like, household names yet i think the giants feel very comfortable with their young guys and we were talking about leadership before but all of these young guys have been in arizona for months now working out with logan webb and all of them are attributing logan webb's leadership and and logan talked about it we mentioned it on our last pod but on the rose rotation which he was on about 10 days ago logan was talking about like these guys are all just super excited committed like it feels like this kind of cohort that's coming up together. And so I think the Giants are comfortable replacing Win with any of their other young guys for the time being. And honestly, just seeing who can show it at the big league level. I love all of that. I think um, this organization has really shifted their philosophy on promoting, you know, prospects to the majors. Like it's really about quality over quantity at this point. And I think, you know, with pitchers, it's like, why put years and years of minors mileage on their arms? Like they're, you know, once you reach a certain development threshold, I think that's why you see, you know, Crawford potentially making the leap at some point this year is because the quality is high enough. So just stick them in where, you know, where you can find a spot for him. And um, yeah, just, it feels like there feels like more of a unified vision going into this year. You know, I think we talked about it with like the NRI list. It's just like, it's focused on young guys plus Pablo plus Yoshi Shichigo. And, and for the most part, we're really just like giving them the platform to do what they need to do. And I think that that's exciting. And I think that we've lacked kind of that unified vision the past few years. It's really been kind of just like, let's see, what sticks and then we kind of you know um fell off backwards into 2021 which was awesome but um one part to that too is i think in the last few years we've thought of the development as more of like how do we take a kevin gossman who has talent but hasn't quite put it together and how do we turn that into a big league starter alex cobb i think is Mm -hmm. a similar case in that sense too and the giants were kind of the splitter factory under Brian Bannister when he was our director of pitching. He's moved on. He's gone to the White Sox, I think. Um, But we were kind of the splitter factory. So like Gossman had his best success with us and has continued that on. Cobb throws his splitter more than anyone. Keaton Wynn threw his splitter more than any other pitcher in the big leagues last year in his limited limited time. and so I think yeah. there are these like general philosophies that we've been putting onto already major league pitchers who we think we can improve. I think Jordan Hicks falls into this category. But then I think the mm. exciting thing about this season is now this is the realization of the farm development that Farhan's been doing. And I think it's important to note that this stuff takes a long time. These are guys drafted yeah. in 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Um Wizen Hunt was 2022, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got these draft picks over the last four years that we're finally getting up to the big leagues 
to even just come to spring training, let alone contribute to the major league roster. And I think um, this transitions to something we were talking about off air this morning, uh, something Tim Kawakami wrote this morning. I don't know if you want to take this on. I was about to talk shit about Tim Kawakami, but I'm not going to um, because <laughs> I love everybody. Um, uh, but he, in a mailbag uh, article that he wrote, he said, the fundamental problem in the Zaidi era is that he's built an organization set up to capitalize on a farm system that has yet to actually produce any stars, which has put extra pressure on the free agent chases. I think we can concede that Zaidi isn't very good at big free agent chases or just good enough to continue to finish second or third. And I think that that's a pretty big claim. And um, I think that it's a central, you know, factor that is part of all Giants fan conversations at the moment is what they think about that. And um, it's interesting. I wanted to push back against this just a little bit because I feel like what I I'd seen something about um, the Yankees maybe on Otani that like weren't given the chance to match you know, that final offer that the Dodgers did or, you know, the deferral thing. Like, I think they weren't offered it. And so I don't know if this is just a ploy again to, like, use the Giants against the Dodgers. But what that says to me is, like, it reminds me of what Giannis said last year about, you know, like, what it what the point of sports is. And I don't think that the only point of sports is to finish first. It's, it's for your process to be sound and to, like, be doing what you need to do. Yeah, I think I think that there's maybe some lessons to be learned from this offseason in regards to the free agents that we're able to br- bring in, like Hicks and Soler and Lee. I think they all, maybe minus Hicks, like all came over for a year or a couple years longer, a couple million dollars like more that sometimes you just have to eat and um, know that that's part of it. But I think that it's been a lesson learned over the last few years um, with, with free agents. He's definitely right that this organization relies on the farm system producing stars. Any organization. Like, I saw a graphic. Yeah. 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 And I saw this graphic um, of like uh, value extracted from first round picks in the last Oof. 10 years or something. And the Giants are dead last at like minus 0.1 war. And it's like, that is why we're in this position. Yeah. It's minus 0.1 war. And then our our most valuable player out of our last 10 years of draft picks is Patrick Bailey from last year who amounted 0.8 war. I mean, it's just been horrendous. And I think we also have to appreciate that the previous 10 years, we had a string of good luck that is also hard to replicate. So it's it's been, you know, the Posey, Bumgarner, Kane, Lincecum run. And then the like, you know, Joey Bart, Hunter Bishop, will bednar run you know it's and it's a gamble but that's where that's where success comes from and we've talked about this with the dodgers previously is you know they had to build up the farm first before they got to this point but i love what you're saying too because i and uh it was cashman on talking yanks with uh john boy and jake where he said they he, he didn't even know of that deferral they didn't get to that point with otani mm. and so you can take that as like a Hey, Giants were in on Otani, like to a pretty in- intense degree. And then you can also kind of agree with Kawakami of being like, maybe Farhan is just good enough in free agency to be second or third. And mm. that isn't a bad thing because I think being second or third for the Otanis and Yamamoto's means that we're first for Jung Hu Lee and Jorge, Jorge Soler. And I think yeah. those signings fit super well with what we're trying to do so i think there's a level of reach for the stars if you fall you land on the cloud kind of thing but you're still like in a better position than the marlins this year who haven't signed anyone (laughs) and except for today they signed tim anderson to a one-year deal and it's like we could have sat out the entire offseason but we didn't and we spent a good amount of money I think it's a good time for us to practice some gratitude, <laughs> uh, not to get all new agey on your ass, but I feel like low key, it's like we have spent the second most in all of baseball minus the Dodgers this year. Like, think about that. Like, 
there, like you said, it's a sad time to be a Marlins fan. It's a sad time to be a Red Sox fan right now. Do you know what I mean? It's like we we are doing something, and I actually this is super homery of me, of course, but I feel like our off season has been massively underrated to this point. Um, I think that it it I think you read the names on paper, and it feels like not much happened or whatever, but I think that they've really like restructured this team. They've given more flexibility in this team. Optionality is there. Youth is there. We're finally, I think prioritizing defense in a way that is meaningful. Big time. I just feel like, um, I don't know. I think this would be a good time to talk about the Boris four. You know, it's a constant, uh, discussion every week, but you know, we're about to start playing spring training games today. So the first like, spring training game is today between the Dodgers and Padres. It's starting in like three hours. Yeah, it's and Farhan talked about this earlier this week, and I think Pavlovich posted an article about it. But basically, it was like, yeah, at this point, it's he made two really good points. The first one was the optionality that you talked about. It's like you've got guys reporting to spring training who now are looking at a certain job that they're going out for. And so if we bring in a guy halfway through spring training, that changes the entire landscape of the roster. And then it also isn't fair to guys who are grinding, who are working hard for a certain job who are deserved major leaguers. I think there's a difference. If there was like, trying to think of a good shortstop example but like if matt chapman were a shortstop i think it would be a lot easier to bring him in and say you know what marco you've had 11 games in the big leagues we're going to give you one more development year and sign this guy to a one-year deal or whatever it is but because it's jd davis he's on his last year of his contract he's going into free agency next year you're not only hurting his chances at playing this year, but you're actually hurting his chances at earning money when he goes into free agency. So if you sign a guy at this point, there aren't teams willing to trade for him like there may have been in the offseason. There aren't teams willing to, you know, help the Giants make this roster fit as easily as it would have been earlier in the year. So I think it's not fair to the players. You also kind of lose the like vibe that we're talking about, which um, is kind of a funny thing to talk about, I guess, because you can't really quantify it. But like, you've got, I think, really good energy from the little bit that we're seeing coming out of spring training. And signing a guy, even though Matt Chapman would get along really well with the organization, I think he'd fit in really well. It's almost like, you know, that like, is that, what's the, what's the trade-off there, I guess, so. Those are my initial thoughts. I definitely agree. I would love to, if maybe baseball could work with some psychotherapists or sociologists and perhaps determine like a vibe statistic, um, (laughs) because, you know, on the one hand, end you have Pablo on the other hand, maybe it's like Rugnet Odor or something like that. But I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, again, just to defend the Giants and, you know, our franchises, like, there's people that want to come here. We've been making signings this offseason. I think from everything that I've read, it seems like Chapman wants to be here. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but it kind of feels like he does, but it's just asking for too much. But, you know, you look at Soler and um, Wilmer and Tyro helped recruit him into the organization when maybe he wanted to stay on the East Coast. Yeah. Like there's something like happening with the Giants that I feel like is interesting. And I actually want to bring it back to something that you'd referenced. Um, I think that the Marco Luciano experiment is tantamount to our success this year. And I, um, I think we both read this, but um, Keith Law, who's like a big prospect guy for the athletic, um, put out his team ranking, team rankings, individual team rankings of their prospects. And in his um, article, he basically flat out says that he is not a shortstop. I never bought him as a shortstop or really even a second baseman. Go ahead. And, um, and I just want to like, 
explore what you think is like the most likely path forward for Luciano because there's lots of data to look at. There's lots of raw tools to look at. And it's kind of hard to like know how that's all going to coalesce together, especially without right now a bona fide backup minus Tyler Fitzgerald, who I think we're both rooting for, for that spot. And my guy, <laughs> Otto Von Lopez. Don't forget. Uh, no. um, <laughs> sorry, but, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think it's interesting. I saw this guy online basically be like giants are putting a lot of stock into a guy who hasn't really shown he can hit above a ball. And I immediately was like, that can't be true. And then I looked at his stats, which I am going to read out to you very quickly, but he, he was signed in 2019 or 2018. I can't remember. I think 2018 was his class. So he started in low a in 2019 as a, as a 17 year old. And he batted 212 with a 316 on base percentage and a 333 slugging. And like not a great OPS, but he's also 17 in a league where most people are like, I don't know, 20, 21 years old. So he's like four years behind where people are at. Then the pandemic happens, wipes out, but he was at the alternate site, but it wipes out a whole year of playing basically. So then he goes back to low A, which at that point was a different location. But he goes to San Jose, where you and I happened to see uh, that squad. We didn't see him because he was at the Futures game. But one of my favorite little things to mention is we saw Kyle Harrison on the bump, Patrick Bailey behind the plate, Luis Matos in center field, and Casey Schmidt at third base. And like 2021 San Jose Giants Three years later, they're all potentially going to be on the big league squad, except for maybe Casey. We'll get into that another time. So Marco kills it in San Jose that year. Gets brought up mid or like end of the season to high A and struggles. Um, and just his low A slash line was 278 uh, batting average, 373 on base and 556 slugging. He was pulverizing the ball. So then in 2022, he does high A, performs very well, 263, 339, and a four, uh, 459 slugging. So like an 800 OPS, doing, doing well. Bring, goes up to double A last year, had some injury issues in high A in 2022 that kind of came over last year as well. And last year was kind of a struggle in terms of contact but his on base percentage was which is what i kind of want to focus on now really took off so he batted 228 in richmond he batted 208 in sacramento not great but in both he had a 330 on base percentage basically um and so he really exudes the like three true outcomes of baseball the walk homer strikeout um which has been a thing that I think a lot of Giants fans have gotten frustrated with with our teams over the last couple of years is we've had too many three true outcome guys, which is why I think a Jung-Hoo Lee is such an important addition to our team. Tyro doesn't fit that mold either. These are guys that really help. But Marco, I don't think we should expect him to have a very high batting average this year. Um, as a big leaguer, he's still going to struggle. Keith Law mentions it in the article that you were referencing. He's still struggling with breaking ball recognition and strikes out a lot. But when he makes contact, he has some elite exit velocities and power. And I think we're going to see it this year. Sink or swim year for him in many ways. But I think what we should be expecting is a guy who can hit the crap out of the ball who will not be batting high in the order. And, you know, we'll be focusing on some simple things like improving his defense, which I think Keith Law is wrong about personally. I have not seen Marco play enough to be like super sure, but the Giants seem very sure that he is a shortstop. And I trust I trust the Giants. So anyway, I will finish my monologuing here um, and pass it back to you. Yeah, that makes me think of um, middle in infielder who couldn't field, who eventually learned to field. And um, I wonder if you know who I'm thinking about. I do. Does he happen to lead the franchise in games played at shortstop? 
No, actually. Oh. He played for another team in the Bay Area. Oh. Do you see where I'm getting at here? Who I'm talking about, of course, is Marcus Simeon, a World Series yeah. champion with the Texas Rangers. And the book on Simeon, obviously he wasn't a prospect with the A's coming up. He came from the White Sox, I believe. But mm-hmm. he went from a below average uh, guy in the field to an above average plus guy that you want at second. Second, obviously more demanding than shortstop. But who's was the man who's was who was the manager of the oakland athletics at that time none i'll get this one right bob (laughs) (laughs) you've got it please say it with me bob melvin with the lane mob belvin (laughs) (laughs) but you know i think because honestly while you were reading through those stats i was like this sounds like a guy who should have a one-way ticket to sacramento for the whole year and then i thought about it and it's like, what do we have to lose? Do you know what I mean? Like, what what are our, the alternatives at this point? A trade for Tommy Edmond? I don't think Adamus gets done. I think I know a lot of people want that. But unless we, like, find a regular, then it's like, might as well just try. See what happens. And look, I think a lot of people, we mentioned earlier, are counting Tyler Fitzgerald out. I think that that guy is way more capable than we think. He's got some strikeout problems as we have, you know, proliferated in in a lot of our hitters now. But that's kind of just how the game moves. And I think that I feel feel somewhat optimistic that we're going to see guys make a leap this year that you wouldn't have put on the map otherwise. Um, You know, Melvin in his A's days talked about how he rode um, five rookie pitchers to... Uh, you know the playoffs uh, division I title. What year that was? Yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah, twenty twelve. Great time for A's baseball, by the way. But he's been here before, and he knows how to handle this type of situation. And you know, I think Gabe Kapler that was his idea, but I think he's ultimately best suited to walk around filming on TikTok and work in a front <laughs> office. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. I guess I have a question as far as our roster construction, just to kind of tie a couple of things together. Like, where do you think that anything that the roster changes greatly from now until, let's say, the All Star break Ooh. or opening day? Yeah, um, I have two two thoughts. So the first one is the rotation. I think that's the easy one. We've got Cobb and Ray, um, and I. We I've been harping on this a ton. I'm not going to spend too much time, but like the idea of an opening day roster that has a bunch of young pitchers and then a like stretch run for the playoffs that has Robbie Ray and Alex Cobb who are a little bit fresher. It just excites me. And then maybe we pick up yeah. one more arm at the deadline or, you know, we figure something out. Um, but the other thing, and we talked about this last week too, with Soler being signed, Jung Hu Lee and, and Jorge Soler make the lineup make sense. Just you plug those two guys in every day, they're playing and they have their spot. And now there isn't pressure on, oh, all of a sudden Wilmer is our cleanup guy for the whole year. Or, oh, weird. Why is Bailey in the five hole every night? You know, kind of thing. And we were seeing that a lot <laughs> last year. Yeah. And you're just not setting your guys up for success. But with, I think Bailey and, and Luciano are projected to be our eight and nine hitters. And like at that point in the lineup, these guys aren't like, oh, I have to produce or else we're not going to score a run today. I mean, that still might happen because Logan Webb is still starting and, you know, he's the modern day Matt Kane who gets zero run support. So we'll probably still keep giving him no run support, but that's what I'm looking out for. Um, is there anything that I missed or that you're focusing on that I didn't say? Um, no, I mean, honestly, I know we've talked about it before, but I feel like just thinking about entering a potential playoff scenario with Webb, Harrison, Cobb, Ray, and then, you know, Hicks slash Beck slash Black slash something like that that that's pretty exciting and honestly gave me chills um but i understand that that's a long way from now um i think 
I think, you know, I think that we're at a point where, for me, somebody like Jordan Montgomery really makes sense to like stabilize this rotation because, you know, Ray Ray's going to take a little bit to ramp back up. Cobb, I think, is actually ahead of schedule as far as what it looks to me. So that's that's good news. But you know, who knows what happens to Hicks? Who knows what happens to Harrison? You know, there's no there's no givens, and um, I think I think it fits the vision of what I feel like they're trying to do this year, which is to have contingency plans upon contingency plans for just things to go wrong. And I think right now it's like we're kind of like sink or swim vibes, and so I think that there could be some stability brought. Um, I'd honestly, I've heard, uh, read from such, um, unnameable sources as ghost of Bay area, Bob on Twitter, do not go to his account. Um, but I've read that he is, um, uh, that the giants are only really engaged on Chapman and not so much. Yeah. So Snell and Montgomery don't know if that's true or not, but I think that, um, one of those for, you know, a shorter deal, I maintain that I think it's, if you're going to do it, do it now. Find a way to make yeah. it happen. Um, something I did want to talk about is um, that I saw Ben Kaspik posted. He kind of like did, he, you know, took 2020 and did it out for the whole year. And then um, I think last year there's 30 million of MLB money that went mm-hmm. to this. But essentially, like in the last however many years, our payroll has been almost exactly like 162, 160, 164. And, you know, when um, Mr. Johnson earlier this offseason was talking about breaking even, I think that sat poorly with a lot of Giants fans. And I saw those numbers and I kind of saw why, because like depending on who you trust, we're like about 39 to 41 million under the luxury tax, which is plenty room to take on one more of these guys. I wonder if that break even point is around, you know, that 160, 164 measure, which I just feel like, like, dude, come on. Like, look at look at Joe Lacob over at Chase Center. Like, that guy wants to win, and that guy's willing to spend to win. And what's the difference? I don't think that there's any difference. So I, I feel like I'm really, I think that we've, to this point, there's so much to be excited by in this offseason. And I think, you know, you're looking, Grant's made this point a couple of times in his articles, but um, you look at what the Padres did, um, in the they did it multiple times under um, Preller's rule, but uh, a couple times they just went on the free agent market and just got a handful of guys. And look, that galvanizes the franchise. Now you see the Padres kind of dealing with the the fallout of yeah. uh, you know trying to collect all these guys and not working. But I don't think that's a that's a position that the Giants are in. Like we are, we have payroll flexibility for many years to come, deferral or no deferral. We've got, you know, Webb locked up. We've got Solaire for a few years. You know, there's not a lot of guys that we have to spend a lot of money on. So I would love to see. I think now at this point, it's honestly more symbolic than it is in terms of on-field value. Mm. Like, I don't know if the war is worth it to, like, you know, go for Snell or Montgomery or Chapman. We're talking a couple wins either way. But I think that what it means to fans, I think, is worth it. And I think that what you know, the Boras four, you know, represent now is commitment from ownership because we see the commitment for Lee and Solaire and Hicks and, you know, we see that vision, but I think to like the average fan, it would mean a lot. And so to me, then it also means a lot, I think to bring in like one more piece and do it now. Like don't have those ramifications of, you know, putting guys out late in the, in spring training, like just just get it started because like there's already a good thing going like why not like make it as bulletproof as possible it's kind of my feeling yeah i love that take um i don't ultimately agree with the take but i <laughs> i love it and i also don't pretend to be right with it um but my thing with the padres example is like they are in hell right now in terms of like flexibility and stuff they signed in 2018. They signed Hosmer to an eight-year deal. He just retired. They're still going to be paying on his him. Retirement. Yes. <laughs> but some guy, I can't remember who, but someone who um, posts on Twitter a lot of analytics regarding baseball said that Hosmer is going to be more valuable this year than the last two years because he was a negative WAR the last two years. 
his defense has always been bad at first base, which is funny because I think he's a multiple-time Gold Glove Award winner. But his defense has always been bad at first base. And then he just completely lost the ability to hit the ball in the air his last few years in baseball. And so him um, and Bogarts, who they've they signed as a shortstop. Well, the last so the last two off seasons before this one, the Padres signed Bogarts to a 10 year deal. And then the year before Machado or sorry, not Machado, Tatis. And so they signed two different people at shortstop who then the next year were moved off shortstop. And it'll mean that next year they will not be able to afford Hassan Kim, who is the best shortstop on their team. They have been putting Jake Cronenworth at first base that has just completely killed his value. And all of these moves were made because they, like you said, were trying to galvanize fan attention. And I think the thing about the Padres that's different from the Giants is that they don't have an established history of winning. And so you needed to make these signings to bring people to the ballpark. Padre Padre fans are going to be locked into the season because of the off seasons that they've had for years. Even if these moves, I don't think really worked ultimately for winning. And we'll see. I mean, nothing's set in stone, but I think the giants aren't in a position to hamstring themselves. Now they also, like you said, and I completely agree, have so much flexibility that one guy of the Boris four is not going to hamstring them forever or even really at all. We saw it as giants fans, with Rowan and Zito, we still won World Seri- a World Series with both of them under contract and not playing in the playoffs. That doesn't mean if you have this development coming through that you're going to all of a sudden not be able to compete. But I, I believe in the try to develop this year and compete next year. And I feel like a Snell or a Montgomery just keeps us from completely knowing what we have from the farm. But I will say, if we want to win as many games as possible this year, what you're saying is correct. So I think the, yeah, I, mean, I think this is the argument, though, of this season. And I, I like that we're kind of on different sides of it, because I think if you're a Giants fan, it's appropriate to be on either side of this co- coin, I think. I think there are people who are so far in the other direction that are like, Farhan hasn't done anything he needs to go. I'm never going to be a fan until he's out. And that's just wrong. I mean, that, that you're just either not paying attention or you're just a sad person. But anyway. Yeah, no, I think this is a great like time to mention that we have a voicemail. I will be plugging this for the rest of the season. Even Please if nobody calls, I'm, I'm checking it right now, but I'm pretty sure we still have no... No voicemails left. There's been a few people who have um, just texted hello. That doesn't help me. I need I need a call. <laughs> I need some feedback, a comment. Where do you stand on this issue? It's really something that we're trying to get going this week. So it would mean a lot to us if you called in. Um, but I feel like that's a great point for us to like start wrapping things up. Um, I think this has been another beautifully wonderful episode of foggy with the chance of seagulls and we will see you next week when spring training has begun goodbye